Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, girlies. Hello, faves. How are we? I'm um, asking you, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessively looking at the Chiara Ferragni on the cover of Vogue Italy. It's just, I think it happened a few hours ago, but I'm just getting across it now. A controversial choice. I know, it's quite crazy. So this is the first cover that the new editor has done, right? Yeah, so they basically consolidated the editors at all of the European Vogues into an editorial hub run by Edward Enninfall at British Vogue and then younger staff members, most of them digital editors, have come on board as what they're calling now head of editorial content and are running it. So this young girl who's 32 called Francesca Ragazzi is the new head of editorial content and this is her first cover and it's Chiara, a.k.a. The Blonde Salad, which I don't know, just I find that so funny <laughs> yeah. that was her name. Yeah, She's so famous. She's got 25 million Instagram followers, but I feel like she's she's very famous, but I feel like the, it's like that old not liking the bloggers thing. She's like the ultimate influencers influencer and the cover's getting quite a bit of backlash I know, and you'd because th- when you showed me that, I was like, surely they they would know that this is kind of a crazy choice because it's not even like it's at the height of her fame. Mm. It's not even as though we haven't had this influencer conversation for years exactly. now, and they're not now just accepted into the fold, and it's fine. Exactly, it's not like it's making some big statement by saying, okay, we're putting an influencer on the cover because if I think. That would be an interesting story maybe a year or two ago if they put her on the cover and said yeah, like the five f- years ago. Yeah, yeah, just being like kind of the Instagram TikTok conversation where it's like Instagram's been ignoring influencers for so long that they moved over to TikTok and it's like the fashion world was ignoring influencers for so long and pushing them aside and acting like they had no reason to be there and then suddenly realized that they were super important and started embracing them and like that is interesting. 
but not right now. Not right now. And also she just feels really, really stale. I remember the last time we talked about her in detail, I don't even know if that happened on the podcast or not, was when she got married and had that crazy extravagant, like, so insane royal wedding. Yeah, because it was around the same time as Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's wedding and it was, like, much more intense (laughs) and regal. Yeah. She is, as far as I can think of, the only influencer that's had a Vogue cover. Mm, Nicole Warren's had one, has she? Or that was Vogue Bride, maybe. Yeah. Don't know. On this scale, it's the most I can think of, and the fact that it's riled so many people up obviously does say something about it, but at the same time, it, yeah, like you say, I don't fully understand the statement that that makes, and it does, I guess, it makes you wonder if it's that thing where everyone on Instagram is like, I hate this. This is, used to be so much better under Franca Cesani. And heaps of her fans will just go out and buy it. Mm. And they're just copying it. And it will, it, sell, really and it will well. sell really well. I, yeah. I'm not quite sure. I know. Yeah, it's it's confusing. It's it's like crazy seeing what's happening to the magazine landscape at the moment because the Paris Vogue just had the same thing happen. Mm. So they got rid of Emmanuel Old, who was there for how long? Like ten, oh, maybe like eight, eight yeah, years. Right. Corinne Reutfeld was there for ages before, yeah. and um, then got their yeah digital editor who's around our age to now be head of editorial. It does feel like a bit of whiplash in the sense that I don't think this is true of Condé Nast specifically, but obviously with media in general, every company has been like quite slow to adopt a digital, and it kind of feels like this sudden thing of not taking it seriously for too long and then just doing a total 180 by getting the digital people to run everything it feels Mm. like it does feel like quite a big gamble I saw Tina Brown saying I don't think it's gonna work and I was like yeah Tina Brown but then I was like she hasn't worked in magazines since the The 80s 80s. I don't really know why she's being treated as an authority on the topic when she was dancing around in private jets getting paid like half her writers 10,000 oh my god the Vanity Fair diaries I think about that all the time it's like the most tone deaf but amazing book where she was like, my mum and dad were really stressed living in Spain and their health was deteriorating. So Cy Newhouse just bought them an apartment in my building. Oh, my <laughs> God. Do you remember that? No. He bought her parents an apartment in the New York apartment block. He would bought her. That's crazy. So they could look after her kids and she wouldn't be stressed about them getting older. In Spain. Oh, so wild. Yeah, the amount of money that's far cry from <laughs> current editorial budget. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this. I was just reading a New Yorker story. It's a bit of a like non event story, but it was a story about teen magazines and the history of teen magazines and how every single teen focused magazine doesn't exist now in a print format and could it ever in this day and age. And I was just thinking about how when we grew up in the 80, like in the 90s, um, in the 70s, how the reason why there was all these budgets, it's so obvious, but I, this has never clicked in my brain, is because there was only like 10 places advoca- advertisers could put their money Yeah, in the world. So you would put, if you had a, a $10 million advertising budget and you were Prada, you would put $1 million in Vogue, $1 million in Vanity Fair, $1 million in L, $1 million, you know, whereas yeah. now it's like there's 10 bazillion options of where you can put it. Mm. So that's why no one has any money and there's no budgets to pay writers is because, like, the companies 
like all the money they just got because they existed is gone. Yeah, that's so interesting. I Shut down the internet. Shut down the internet. That's like, rid of all these independent magazines and influencers, and everyone's going to shut them all down and create a monopoly again. And the podcasts. And the podcast, like that's that's the mm. thing. It's all of this stuff. It's very interesting. And I thought the best part of that article that I was just talking about was the fact that they were basically talking to like Tarby Gevinson and Philip Picardi and I can't remember who else, some of the old Teen Vogue editors. And they were just saying that everyone who's a teenager now does like peer-to-peer recommendations. So they take their advice from other teenagers on TikTok. But the thing that was good about teen magazines in the past is that it was people in their 20s or sometimes 30s or older who were giving advice to teenagers so you were actually getting like a certain degree of wisdom theoretically a lot of the stuff in teen magazines was really dumb but it was people that were older than you and had more life experience than you giving you advice in a way that had a bit more of a moral compass to it as opposed to now where they were saying like on TikTok you get a lot of people sharing advice or sharing tips or talking about things they have no life experience on and then other teenagers are taking that as gospel and it's like the whole point of those magazines was to have someone older than you teach you things teach you things yeah that's really interesting and also when you are writing those articles even 14 magazines where there's probably less of a kind of strict i don't know sub-editing process you still have to actually have something behind what you're yes. saying you have to actually do research was on tiktok i go on there sometimes and i i still haven't i haven't been on there enough i don't think to like get sucked in because my algorithm's all over the show because i'll go in to search something for the podcast or search something for a story and then i just get them i just i'm like i don't understand what you've run i searched the highly sensitive person thing before the pod and then there was just all these videos of people holding up their hands with the with the five fingers up and going Number five, you cry often. Number four, mm. you sometimes feel sad. Number three, and they had like 40,000 likes. I was like, please, guys. Yeah, everyone's. I was even thinking about how it was like a watershed moment for Teen Vogue when they ran that article that was called like How to Have Anal Sex. And it was considered controversial because parents were like, oh, my God, you can't be teaching 12-year-olds this. But to do that you need to have like you said a proper journalist who speaks to proper like Mm. professionals you don't want another 13 year old teaching another 13 year old how to have anal sex for the first time and it's like that's the whole vibe so how do we bring back the teen magazines we don't we're launching after work drinks (laughs) the 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 magazine teens they'll be like no thank you you two haggard chooks (laughs) i don't want to find out how to have anal sex from you (laughs) us on the cover (laughs) Wearing our new merch. <laughs> that picture of us were like real estate agents that are in love. Oh my god, yes. Us copying the Chiara Faragni cover. Oh my god. Yeah, I can't believe she's on the cover. We saw her at Dior and she just walked past with this high ponytail, yeah. slicked back and just a thousand sequins on and just smiling. Yeah. And I was like, how is and this? An actual pack around her. Yeah, it was her Perhaps. sister. Oh, pa- paparazzi, yeah. yeah. But she had all these girls with her that were all dressed the exact same and oh. all just looked so wild. And then, yeah, someone on the Italian Vogue Instagram in Italian that Grace um, translated, translated on Google. I was feverishly trying to figure out what the Italian response was, but I was like, it's not looking good. It's yeah. like a lot of like bruta and uh-huh. things like that. Yeah, and one of them was just like, no offense meant at all, but I don't think she's that stylish. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, I know. When we were in Milan and we saw that her big, she has massive, huge stores all around Italy. Yeah, she's she's Quite huge. Crazy. She's, she's so she's... famous. Like, she's done very well for herself. Yeah. But I think she was always extremely wealthy as, as, as yeah. far as I understand her. I think she became famous on Instagram because she could afford, like, head-to-toe designer. As it always goes. When it was a thing, yeah. The only reason we're not influencers. <laughs> the only reason we're not very famous because we're broke as fuck. <laughs> so our working class roots. Speaking um, of which. What are we speaking of? Oh, made. <laughs> uh, we have been watching the new Netflix series made in our hotel room in Paris every down second we get. We were so obsessed with it. That we kept rushing home from shows and putting it on. Yeah. We were like, I just want to watch Made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and my friend who's been hanging out with us at the fashion shows goes, oh, are you guys still talking about that? About Made? I was like, shut up. But it's Margaret Qualley. It is based off a memoir by Stephanie Land about living in poverty. Basically, she left an emotionally abusive relationship with a young child. And it talks about, it's all about following Margaret Qualley as she leaves her partner, she takes her three-year-old daughter, who is played by the cutest kid ever. I hate child actors, I and hate, I love like, this children, show. <laughs> and I love this kid. She's so cute. She reminds me. I said to my uh, our friend, Ali. She's so. She reminds me so much of Ali's daughter, mm-hmm. Millie. Yes, yeah. so, like so cute and cheeky. So cute. A little mushroom. Yeah, a little muffin face. How do they unearth these like child actors? I don't understand how that kid can do that neither it's crazy I'm, I'm just like how long does every scene take do they have to feed them lines every and in the reviews cr- they're like played wonderfully by the actor's name and i was like okay it's a baby <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. gonna get an emmy <laughs> she does a great job yeah riley yeah so margaret Qualley, she's playing a 23 year old really smart girl who was going to go to college for writing and then she met of course a, a naughty naughty boy a naughty boy when she was working at a bar and she'd applied for college, she'd gotten in and then she was hanging out with him all summer long and they were getting it on and she got pregnant. Having a bus. Having lots of buses <laughs> and she got pregnant and kept her kid and then, yeah, she ends up leaving him. And then the show is just so brilliantly done in the way that it it just shows you all of these things that you don't think about when you think about a woman leaving an abusive situation. Mm. So it showed all of the legal documents and just how you would have no idea what anyone's saying. So she goes to court because he's trying to get custody of the kid he just doesn't even want to hang out with. And I said that to you. I said, why on earth do they fight for custody? And you were just like, they're just literally trying to hurt the mum. Yeah, it's just a control thing. Like if the mum leaves, it's like the last thing of control they can get is trying to take the kids off them in court proceedings. Yeah, and then it just showed so perfectly because it flicks in and out, not too often, but it does flick in and out of her thoughts and show and depicts it. So when she goes to the social worker and she's trying to get someone to stay, the scene shows the social worker being like, you're a white trash piece of shit. But the <laughs> yeah. social worker actually just hands her a form. And in the legal, in the court, the judge and the lawyer are speaking and it just goes legal 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 yeah. and she's like she can't understand a thing i was like it's so true she's 23 and, and broke and trying to get a job and trying to keep her daughter and like trying to not go back to the guy trying to find somewhere to sleep and it shows like how much easier it is for people to just go back into abusive situations because um there's a scene in the first episode where She's trying to get a, a house and a job, and it's like she can't get the house without the job, and she can't get the job without the house, mm. and she can't get the daycare without the job without the house. Ha- and it's just like 
all of these things just conspire against you to the point where it is just so much easier to just be back in a house with someone, even if they're making your life hell because you're like, for my child, it's more stability. If the abuse isn't happening to the child, maybe it's worth me putting up with it until X, Y, Z. It's just, it's a very like diagram thing to watch, but they manage to do it in a way that doesn't make you feel depressed watching it. Yeah. It's quite kind of like, I wouldn't say it's funny, but it's... It's just done in a way that it, it feels re- it feels really informative and eye-opening without being super... Preachy. Yeah, yeah, super preachy or, yeah, super sad. Like, it's sad, but it's it's still quite bingeable for the first four episodes, mm-hmm. I'd say. And then, um, yeah, so she goes, we're, we're not, like, we're literally not spoiling anything with this. I was just going to say, she, like, goes to the domestic... Yeah. She goes to the shelter and she makes this friend and then it's just, like... The friend disappears and she frantically runs around trying to find out where she is and ask the lovely woman who works there. And she said the average woman goes back seven times before finally leaving for good. Things like that. It's just so, so interesting. So interesting. And also they have this kind of like shintzy thing where whenever she pays for something, a thing comes up on the screen and it's like $69 down to $65. And we were a bit like, this is a bit cringe, but it gets across this point that when you don't have money, it's all you can think about it's mm. like every single living breathing minute of your life is consumed by the fact that you don't have money and thinking about how much money you have all the time and being so hyper aware of what you're buying and having to put something back that you like having to make these literal decisions about like do i have dinner or do i get body wash for my kids so they can like soap for my kids so they can shower or whatever yeah even going into a supermarket and walking around the supermarket which i used to do in uni which is a completely different situation because i mm-hmm. always had family and friends and the things like that like I, I never had to like skip on a meal but i remember i would go into the supermarket and i would have something like 18 dollars in my account and i'd mm-hmm. be walking around picking up things and trying to add it up in my brain and i'd yeah. be so petrified that it added it up wrong and i was going to get to the super- checkout and not have enough money and it was before self-service checkouts so you're just petrified it's going to be so embarrassing i remember that too or like if something was on special and it didn't pull through the special price yeah, and they did fucked. it and then you're like i can't afford this whole thing it's funny because yeah like you just said i was watching it being like oh my god i remember that feeling as i was watching it of knowing i only had seven dollars left for the next three days or something i remember like walking home an hour and a half from a bar one night because i didn't have enough money to get a taxi and i'd missed the last bus or once i had lived off four finger buns for four days. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it's like I think of that as like very character forming and I think it's given me, unfortunately, not enough of respect or appreciation for money to be sensible. Zach and looking at these (laughs) silly, silly jackets we've bought. Yeah, we've been buying some very fun stuff. I actually, yeah, might. We should we should do like a little thing and put them on the close frame. Yeah, <laughs> like a little fashion show. A little fashion show Give for the glasses girlies. of this Chablis, and we might. <laughs> yes. But, but yeah. yeah, I was I, I genuinely have been like oh, I know what it's like to not have money, and then I was just like watching this, and it just made me so ashamed of myself that I've ever. I do think that that's a very important experience to have, but at the same time, I'm like it's not the same if you no. have rent that is a hundred percent covered every single week, and you don't know what it's like to be evicted. If you have parents who, if you call them and say, okay, I genuinely am not going to be able to eat unless you give me money will obviously send you money Mm. if you have friends who will spot you for things if your problem is that you spent your last ten dollars on a round of beer at the pub so you go to walk home like that's not poverty yeah and her real mum is her mum in it andy Mm. mcdowell which is really 
cool to see them together. I love watching. I'm just, I'm like a sicko. I love watching real families and shows like on Shit's so Creek. Cute. Yeah. Um, and Andy McDowell's. Wait, have you seen Four Weddings and a Funeral? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 She's for like. Oh my God. I did with Hugh Grant. I was like, you must love her. Yeah. And so she was like, a, she was a model. She was like a supermodel in the 80s. And now she's playing this. She's had, which we'll get on to shortly. She's obviously had like no work done. Hmm. Her hair's gone gray. And she just looks amazing, and she's just playing this like she has un- bipolar, yeah, undiagnosed artist. bipolar, and yeah, it's really interesting because Margaret Polly's character has no family support and no friend support, so she tries to arrive at a friend's house to ask to sleep the other night, and they've already called her boyfriend, and mm-hmm. he's coming over, and she's like, for fuck's sake, it's and it shows really well how he alienated her in all these ways but he did it so kind of slyly and subtly that she didn't even realize what was going on until she was at the at the shelter and she was just being like it's not abuse you know there's other i'm giving i'm taking beds away from other people who have actually been hit and then the woman was just like well what is it then if he's Mm -hmm. taking if you don't even have your own bank account if Mm -hmm. you don't even have any friends you can go to if you feel alienated from your family it was making me think about our episode we did when the fka twig stuff came out we interviewed my aunt who is a manager at a domestic violence shelter and she was saying that a lot of what the women that come to her shelter have in common is is a whirlwind romance where mm. the woman got pregnant is like the thing in common with so many cases and this is exactly what happens in the show where it's like you get into this situation where you're so caught up in thinking that it's this great love story and then you get pregnant and then it feels like crazy but you love each other so much and then all of a sudden you're like handing all this power away without even realising it. And a lot of the time those whirlwind romances that seem so exciting are actually just riddled with like red flags. Mm, It's also an interesting link that Margaret Colley was dating um, Mm. dating Shia LaBeouf right before she filmed this, if not while she was filming this, and mm. the FK Twigs allegations came out and then she promptly broke up with him. It's like an, it's such an interesting link. Yeah, really Because she obviously would have... Yeah. Yeah, shit. She was in like a whirlwind, really intense romance and then someone else accused him of domestic viol- of violence and then she filmed this. And then she came out and supported FK, FK Twigs. Right, that's really yeah. cool. Anyway, everyone should watch Maid. I want to read the book now. Me too. Even though sometimes when she reads portions of the book, I'm like... it's not that great I don't know how great this writing this prose is I know because she keeps talking about she wants to be a writer and and blah 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 and then she reads her she's like maybe these glass houses are just jails of our own making she's like like, maybe these rich people aren't that happy after all and I was like stop it Also, she needs to bust that hot... Oh, the funniest <laughs> scene ever. <laughs> Women in a nutshell. Yeah, the funniest scene ever was where this like really hot, really lovely, nice guy was trying to talk to her while she was working at a bar and his face literally in the scene is blurry, like completely blurry because she's looking at the naughty naughty boy behind. In the corner. The naughty boy who ends up ruining her life is just sitting behind in the corner and, and the guy who's talking to her, you can't, she can't even hear a word he's saying. That's, yeah. Girlies, naughty girlies. Girls in a nutshell. Okay. Izzy, are you going to get a lower back tattoo? Probably. That's the way I'm going. <laughs> I want one too, and I'm not even, like, leading into this aesthetic in no, any way. but we, um, we're going to get tattoos in Paris, and then we just didn't organise it. We're useless. I also didn't know what I wanted, and I 
don't need another tattoo I hate I know. on this body. I was like, I'll definitely. I know. I'm full from head to toe, full to the brim of ugly tattoos yeah. as it is. At one point I go to Grace and we're also such stupid idiots that we'd get something so dumb. I go to Grace, we should get some pods like for peas. And then I was like, that's disgusting a week later. Yeah, I was like, me? I was like, yes, at the time. Yeah. And then afterwards I was like, I don't know. I don't know. If we should do that. If we should do that. We should figure out what we want and get tattoos at the same time, but then it should be the same thing. So it's like we got tattoos together and we could also get something that links them, but they don't have to be the same thing. Yeah. Either same place or something that's similar. I think we should stop getting tattoos. <laughs> yes. So the cut just did a piece about how lower back tattoos are back, tramp stamps are back. Our friend Laura actually wrote about this months ago. Miley Cyrus, you said, Miley just got Cyrus a tramp got stamp, right? So this is the a tramp yeah. stamp. Basically, as everyone knows, they were really popular in the Y2K era. Nicole Richie, Paris Hilton, Elijah. I'm sure tramp stamp is like an incredibly Spears. problematic term as well, well yes. now saying it out loud. No, yeah. it is, 100%. So it's like basically now women are obviously because that trend has come back, but a lot of women that the cut talked to were saying that it's about reclaiming the – it's about sexual liberation and kind of taking back the idea that being a tramp is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a tramp? a tramp, Lady in the Tramp. <laughs> I, know, I, was like, I was like, how does this, any of this work, Lady in the Tramp? I have a lower neck tattoo, which I think is like the sort of millennials tramp stamp. Mm, the younger, yeah. Yeah, the next stage down. It is, yeah. I would pay $10,000 no, to have that wouldn't. removed from my body. No, you wouldn't. I've had so many sessions and it's just not, not going away. There's, um, yeah, because... There's, for example, Bimbo TikTok or Bimbo Talk, which is an online community aimed at reclaiming the word and celebrating hyper femininity. But also, so aside from the fact that, you know, there's the sexual liberation side, there's reclaiming that era of our bodies as ours and nothing to do with being a tramp. There's also the fact, which is what we've been talking about a lot, that following lockdown, everyone just wants to kind of be really sexy again and in the cut they said following lockdown not only did people want tattoos again they also seemed to crave being something of a hot mess as well to Mm. borrow a popular y2k phrase they wanted to show some skin celebrate their bodies as opposed to shielding them they wanted to take risks within reason which i think is it's we're seeing it all over the runways at the moment yeah irl and we've been seeing it for ages with the return of like low-rise jeans and all these sexy cutout tops and dresses and just so much skin bearing stuff which doesn't do much for really the body like positivity movement well this is the thing that i so when i so i wrote a piece for british vogue about low-rise jeans and how they like when i saw the return of low-rise jeans i felt sick to my stomach Mm. because i was like okay these suit in my brain, the way that it was fed to us, like Naughty's diet culture, I'm like, they suit such a specific type of body in the way that we've been fed them as an ideal. And I do feel as if a lot of this new Naughty's, new sexy stuff is tapping into like the, the the kind of toxic diet culture and food culture and body culture of that period. Because even though you have like you know, Paloma and some amazing models on the runway that are wearing the stuff that look incredible. I think by and large, the people that are attracted to these trends are people that have like a very specific, very, very thin, very young body. 
to feel confident wearing it, which is not to perpetuate the idea that only a certain type of person should wear it. I just think that, like, that ideal doesn't suit a lot of people. But also it's who it's being modelled on too. It's not like these brands that are doing these clothes now are particularly marketing at all to plus size. Even when I was – so at London Fashion Week, a few designers that I really love, Nancy Jaka and Supriya Lili and even, like, Charlotte Knowles, but very much like Nancy Jaco. And it's because her stuff is really like those skin-bearing kind of fabrics. Mm. So you can see how small the models are. The models are probably normal models, but because they have barely any clothes on, you can see how small they are. Mm -hmm. And it was just quite kind of confronting. And there was just not one plus-size model on the runway at all. So it's it's not even like some of the brands are are trying to pretend. Even pretending, Whereas in New York, I think it was a lot more diverse. I think New York's just better overall for size diversity. I think it's a very interesting thing because this new sexy thing that's happening, especially on the runways this season, is this idea that, like, after COVID, we all want to go out in revenge dress and, you know, show off our legs and show off our bodies and be in tiny little skirts and huge high heels and slinky stuff. Because we're sick of track pants. Because we're sick of, yeah, yeah. track pants and we want to be out in the world again. And I, I understand it on, like, some level. And I love this idea that we're in this, like, post-male gaze era where we're all just dressing for ourselves and nothing is at all informed by wanting to be found attractive by like a male gaze which i think does feel like true to me i just wonder how how true it is for women in general versus how true it is for like cool hot models yeah yeah (laughs) like yeah i'm like out again it's like okay yeah 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 i think the the male gaze thing has been interesting because we i was we were talking the other day about how i've never worn tight tops ever in my life really because i have like double D size boobs and I just always hated thinking men were looking at me and then now it's like I've just started wearing tight tops and instead of them looking at me and me thinking you're they're disgusting or I'm disgusting I've now just stopped thinking a thing mm-hmm. I just don't even think a thing they just look at me and I just think that's that's just happened or like I just don't even notice it anymore and I think that's like a really nice place to be in but then I don't think that that's I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think there is, like, 100% a, there has been, like, a full circle Maybe thing. it's just getting older and getting more comfortable with, I don't know. I, yeah. I think even when you're younger, you feel a bit more... Like, objectified. Objectified or, or just, like, a little bit less in control now or something. Mm. No, I just feel a bit more powerful in the way that if a disgusting guy looked at me for too long, I would just be able to tell him to fuck off. And I'm also, like, interested by that. I don't know how deep you want to go on that as well, but I'm just, like, when we find uh, (laughs) – you're going to sound like an incel here, but it's just, like, a lot of the time, what if a really, really good-looking young man looked at you in a a sexy outfit, you'd be like, yeah. And Mm. if, like, an older man that you didn't find attractive looked at you, you'd be like, you're disgusting. And I'm just, like, (laughs) we're, like, perpetuating back to men the exact same thing we're, like, annoyed at them for doing to a certain extent i'm not saying you i'm saying just people yeah, in general yeah, i'm like yeah. very interested by that like i'm like why <laughs> men should never make women feel unsafe full stop <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm just like like how i would feel if a guy was staring at me on a train that i thought was like young and sexy versus an older man that i would never hook up with I know. Is the difference between me feeling like fun and flirty and having a fun day and feeling like gross, disgusting and sick? And I'm like, what? I'm like, what is that? Well, it's them 
realize like yeah it's like should they just know that you wouldn't like is the only reason to look at someone appreciatively if you believe that they want to have sex with you back yes (laughs) that's that (laughs) yes but then it's like what if you're gay like women like a man can't possibly know that when he's like looking at you so like that every time a a a gay woman has a any man look at her might feel the way that you know a straight woman would feel about a man that A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This conversation's confusing. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I'm just going down a path. No, no, no. I'm just interested by this stuff because I'm just like, men hold so much power in society, which is why being like leered at feels so horrible because you're aware of this power imbalance. Whereas I'm, I think that what's happening now with this shift in fashion is that women are saying, well, like this power imbalance doesn't exist in the way that it used to which is why I feel much more confident wearing this sexy stuff because the rules of engagement, whereas where men like control all industries and are all world leaders and have all the money and women don't work and all, but that's, that is genuinely like course correcting. So I think mm. women feel more empowered to go out and be like, I'm literally being sexy for me and I know that because society shifted in this way. Yeah. I think the way dressing has shifted is it's like a lot of the stuff that we want to wear would feel sexy to us, but not even really sexy to men i mean are you saying that my baggy men's suit (laughs) and dallas cowboys t-shirt is not sexy to men yeah (laughs) i am I was trying to slow us down. No. <laughs> These are tiny wine glasses anyway. Yeah. So something we forgot to talk about last week. I don't know how we forgot to talk about this because it was all we talked about last week. Yeah. It was all we talked it was about. All anyone was talking about it. But it felt like Milan. it happened 400 years ago. Yeah. By the time we came to recording because we were already in a different city. So we forgot. So we forgot. But Linda Evangelista, the very important, iconic 90s supermodel, basically revealed on Instagram that the reason why she hasn't had a comeback in her career in the way that everyone else of her generation has, like Cindy, Naomi, Chrissy Turlington, Claudia Schiffer, Kate Moss, everyone's still really relevant. And she was part of the that original 90s supers. Mm group so even for example because she wasn't 
I mean, obviously she wasn't. I can't recall. She wasn't on the runway when the 90s supers did the Versace thing. No, A couple exactly. of years ago yeah, for the yeah. 20th anniversary. And it was just all of them together reuniting. And she's just notably absent. Well, they're all making so much money. Naomi Campbell's been everywhere this season. I assumed it was because, so Linda Evangelista had a baby and then sued the father because he was refusing to acknowledge it was his baby and it came out it was Selma Hayek's husband wow. who runs like either LVMH or Caring, I can't remember. So I thought she'd been blacklisted from the industry is what I thought. Is Selma Hayek still with him? Yeah, I don't think it was when they were to. Oh, right, I don't okay. think he cheated okay, yeah, on yeah. her. I think it was the custody battle happened when they had after right. they'd gotten married mm-hmm. or something. But so I assumed that and then she basically came out and said that the reason is actually because she had a cool sculpting procedure years ago and that it had left her permanently deformed is how she describes it and that she's now publicly suing the company for what they've done to her and she's basically turned into this like reclusive hermit who hasn't been photographed in years because she's I don't I, it's actually not clear if it's like her face or her body but you found out what it was that she said what it was that she got right yes she developed paradoxical adipose hyperplasia or PAH which was a risk she was not made aware of before she had the procedure and she said that it has not only destroyed her livelihood but it has sent her into a deep cycle of depression profound sadness and the lowest depths of self-loathing and in the process I've become a recluse which is extremely sad obviously yeah it's horrible it's so crazy because cool sculpting doesn't even sound like a I so my workmate before her wedding got a cool sculpting treatment just through getting to write about it for a review no one tells you that there are even or they do tell you but you don't even take it seriously that there's these repercussions it's marketed to you as being something that if you're she's literally a size whatever eight or ten and before her wedding wanted to lose a few extra kgs so did this cool sculpting treatment when if you knew that it could leave you like this or getting getting having all of these crazy side effects you would never do it if you actually thought about it properly and that's the funny thing with these cosmetic surgeries is that they've become so normalized that you kind of talk we talk about the elements of it in terms of it being you know um whether it's good or not for feminism but mm-hmm. we don't talk about it as being like it's kind of crazy that that so many people are doing things that could leave them really really like health permanently disfigured damaged yeah as linda says i know it's i've had cool sculpting <laughs> i didn't know if you wanted to say on the pod <clears throat> it was one of the first like freebies i got through work and i really didn't think about it at all i was asked to do it someone was like can you do this procedure to write about it mm. and i was like what is it and they said it's a, a procedure where they put this stuff on your tummy and it freezes the fat cells and then you pee them out over the course of three weeks and then you lose two kilos or something which like sounded like complete nonsense to me at the time but I was like fine I'll just try it and it's so funny because when I went I was uh, 23 or 22 like a size eight and they were like uh you're a perfect candidate for this procedure and I think it was a thousand dollars and you were supposed to get it five times over the course of two years or something Mm, so crazy obviously did nothing I sent a message to the PRs after I got it saying I've noticed no difference so I don't know if you want me to write that or just not write it. And they were like, oh, to be honest, this is the feedback we've had across the board. So just don't worry about 
writing it. Basically. Oh my god! I know it's like a scam. Like the be- so yeah. much stuff in the beauty yeah, industry. Yeah, no, my is, yeah. um workmate, I'm pretty sure noticed no difference, mm. or or she maybe noticed like a bit of difference, but she'd obviously been eating really healthy and working out all the time. Yeah, they they were like eating. also don't. They said to me, I yeah. also don't have dairy or alcohol or sugar, and I was like, okay, guys, for yeah. like six weeks. Yeah, I'm like, if I could manage that, I wouldn't be here in the first place. Yes. I think it's interesting in terms of how. So many of the supermodels that we've just talked about that we're still obsessed with, hashtag obsessed with, have obviously had procedures done that have worked and that's why we still love them. Mm. And then if someone does and it backfires, they become this kind of pariah because it's so embarrassing if you try and fail, but it's so amazing if you try and succeed and it's just this really like gross, messy part of our like culture's obsession with youth. Yeah, and it's that thing where you never hear stories like this about treatments going wrong. And it's not because treatments don't go wrong. It's because people are so ashamed that they've had this, that they've tried to do this treatment, as you say, and then it's it's backfired and they feel so ashamed and embarrassed that they go into hiding, as she has done for five years. Five years of her life. She hasn't been photographed at all. Yeah, and she also said that obviously she has lost so much work And when I was thinking about this before, when your, I mean, you know, models and and beautiful people as a whole have it good, no matter what my ex-boyfriend tries to say. I've said that on the pod before. (laughs) We had like a big fight because I said pretty people have easier lives. And he was like, they don't. And I was like, that's a fact. (laughs) Um, And they obviously have, you know, have so many benefits, but then... I was thinking before about how crazy it would be for people to know you, especially as a supermodel, for your face, for your looks. Everything about you is to do with how you look. Then you start aging and suddenly they get this wake-up call that the rest of us have had our whole lives because there's always been people prettier than you or always been people younger Mm. or whatever. That, holy fuck, aging's happening. Holy shit, the thing that I've been known for my whole life is, is changing. It'd be really scary. And for her... She tried to do something about that. It backfired and now she's had to go into hi- hiding. I can't imagine what that would do to your mental health. For yeah. The one thing that you've always been known for to be completely taken. Exactly. And there's a difference between being like pretty and being Linda Evangelista. No, like, yeah. I that's think... what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, 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 I know. Yeah. It's, but I'm like, that's, I think she's possibly the most beautiful supermodel who's ever existed. And it makes me feel so angry at the system that someone who is the pin like it makes sense because as you just said if you're at the pinnacle of beauty you're so scared of losing it but at the same time it's like if linda evangelista is this scared about getting older what fucking hope do any of us have cool sculpting getting a dodgy treatment i'm assuming it was on her face as well and not just her body for her to have been hiding from society this long i think because you can get cool sculpting on your face to like freeze fat cells in your like neck and facial region but we don't actually know fully but i just think it makes me so upset the thought that someone that's like fitting the beauty ideal that much is now living like the way she is because she was worried about having a few too many wrinkles or worried about looking like aging which is like the most normal thing ever to happen it makes me feel depressed about our society. I know. And think about the beauty myth. I know. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, if anyone was going to get, like you just said, if anyone was going to get this hung up on it, it's a supermodel who's made mm. their whole living off 
being beautiful. Yeah. That would be the hardest thing in the world to lose. It would be like if you're a billionaire, then suddenly every single year you lose $100 million <laughs> until mm. you're 50 and then you just have no money. Mm. You'd be like, well, I just want to make that not happen. Mm. Yeah, it's really sad. It's also the thing that is scary as well as it's like if Linda Evangelista can have that go wrong... It could, it could just go wrong to anybody. Mm-hmm. Just how normalized getting Botox and filler and all of that stuff is. And even just, I don't know, it's just even cool sculpting. It's like I know two people who have had cool sculpting and I'm yeah. 30. And it makes me think about, as we've said before, we've had Botox before and they say to you before you get it done, you know, just so you know, there's a risk that you could get eyelid drooping or whatever (laughs) and as they're saying it you're just trying to disassociate and not actually think about that happening to you because if you actually properly thought about that happening to you you would not get it fucking done and I'm like this is the first time with looking at her thinking about what it would be like if my face was permanently altered before I'm even 30 chasing this like stupid fucking beauty ideal that is so unrealistic for everyone Mm. and what a tragedy that would be to be depressed the rest of your life about your face when it was like perfectly good before I know okay on to politics now ladies you've had it all today don't say you don't get a mix from us yep the high and the low this is a very interesting story. So basically, it is Australian politics, but I and I had a kind of no idea what was going on. But basically, I woke up one morning and everyone was sharing things all over Instagram from Sydney about Gladys. What's her last name? Berejent Clan. And she was the NSW premier, right? Mm-hmm. And she had resigned overnight, and everyone was really upset because she had been kind of leading the state through COVID and been doing like quite a good job and everyone was just gutted. And basically what had happened was everyone thought Gladys hadn't had a boyfriend, hadn't had a, any kids, she, you know, never married. Everyone was just like, you know, she's a, career... the a perennial bachelorette. Yeah, a career-focused woman. And then what had happened, to my knowledge, Grace is going to properly fill you in, but it came out that she not only had been dating a man for five years, but she'd been dating a very, very naughty boy yep. who was basically scamming just he worked in government as well and was he's just a minister he's yeah. a minister oh I, sorry a member a member and was secretly scamming like heaps of money and and then she pretended she knew nothing about it when they found out about him but it turns out she probably did so the day this broke me and grace were like oh we've all been there we've all been with a naughty boy and we've all kind of turned a blind eye but it as, as the days have progressed, it seems she probably knew a lot more than she was making out. I know. I was texting everyone. And I was like, poor Gladys. They're like, no, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So what was his business? Okay. So this stuff happened like a year ago. Yeah. So it was already a scandal that we missed being in the UK. Right. Where they were investigating him. I can't remember her boyfriend's name, but he, he looks like a big ochre bloke and he has this very like femme <laughs> voice, which I love about him. You yeah, can hot. see why Gladys was attracted. He basically it came out that he was essentially running a company from his parliament office <laughs> that was teeing up uh, construction companies with infrastructure projects that his government seat was approving. So he was basically no. – he's accused of taking cuts from from 
finders fees essentially putting certain construction companies on certain projects like sports stadiums and things like that and pocketing the money so obviously very dodgy in his hearing he basically said i didn't know you weren't allowed to do that (laughs) (laughs) shaggy it wasn't me (laughs) he's like oh can we not do that sorry so he has like resigned in disgrace basically and then it came out that him and Gladys had been dating for five years and every like her family didn't know her friends didn't know no one knew I was like this is the sign everyone in the parliament was like what (laughs) they knew them separately like what that is hilarious it's so 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 funny a naughty little girl Gladys which and and then basically she came out and was like you know it's really hard to have a public a private life when you're a politician and you know, I made a mistake. I'm not perfect. He's a bad boyfriend. And obviously all the girlies rallied around and <laughs> said, leave her alone. Yeah. He's a bad boyfriend. Poor Gladys. We were like rioting the streets in Paris <laughs> for Gladys Just that just day. for Gladys. Yes, this was a year ago. Everyone was having our reaction. Right. And that's why she survived oh. it. So everyone was like, she shouldn't have survived that as a as a politician, but she did because everyone just wanted to give Gladys the benefit of the doubt. She's a straight talker. Yeah, you they know, thought she obviously doesn't. Woman. She obviously didn't know that he was doing this. Yeah, because she's all... very. She's got like head girl energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, people yeah. Are like, oh, just a head girl getting caught up in a little bus situation. Yeah. <laughs> That now the ABC has done an investigation that's basically is suggesting that she had far more knowledge, which makes sense, to be honest, than she's led on and that she had personally kind of rallied to get certain projects that he was set to make money off pushed through using her position as a premier to kind of put the pressure on. So there was a $5.5 million <laughs> Dollar sports stadium in Wagga Wagga (laughs) (laughs) that she was like, I'd really like to see this happen was her email. So people were like, this is naughty. So then ICAC, who's the the corruption body, had announced that they were going to do an investigation into her based on the evidence. And she said, I can't be a serving premier while I'm being investigated, so I'm standing down, but I hate to leave New South Wales while this is happening, et cetera, et cetera. But also... Didn't she say that they'd stopped bussing? Oh, yeah. She said that they stopped. This was back in the inquiry. Yeah. She said she hadn't talked to him since it came out that he was a naughty, corrupt boy. And then when she was investigated about it, she said, fine, we kept hanging out, but only as friends because he needed a shoulder to cry and then, on. And then didn't he? Didn't they say to him, are you guys still seeing each other? And he goes, well, probably not after this. Probably no. not after this. <laughs> I recommend the 7am podcast for some fantastic audio. Oh, hilarious. I know. They're a very unlikely couple. That's like... Visually. Yeah. Um, I can just see how that all went down. Is it crazy that they kept it a secret from everybody? For five years. Oh, my God. In what world? I think it's like a nice testament to Australia that the anti-corruption body is so enthusiastic because the... Deputy Premier John Barillaro, who is this, like, freak who's been going after Friendly Geordies, who's this, like, funny but naughty YouTuber, he's resigned. So now they have no Premier, no Deputy Premier. And the guy they're looking at to replace Gladys is, like, a hardcore Christian with, like, 19 children. Pentecostal Christian again, right? I don't think he's Pentecostal. I think that's just Scotty. But it's crazy that Scott Morrison is a Pentecostal Christian. And on that... Seven, eight, oh, 
No, that Sydney Morning Herald article that you shared the other day, and they said that Pentecostal Christians, literally, they believe that one day the earth is just going to explode, and when that happens, they'll all be taken to heaven. They'll all be zapped up to heaven. And and none of us will be. And so, obviously, if you believed that that was what was going to happen... And that was what you were living for to happen. Obviously, you wouldn't give a shit about anything like climate change. Yeah, he's probably well. He's probably accelerating climate change because I think that's when he's going to get big zapped bang. up into yeah. heaven again. He'll yeah. be like, "Don't worry, boys." Well, he is. He's not even going to any of the chats about it. He's so naughty. I can't believe he gets away with being a Pentecostal Christian and like no one cares. Zach's always said to me, "He's like the best thing about Australians, Australia, Australians, is that they don't care." And like the worst part about Australians is that they don't care. And I was like, that's just it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're so chill and great and amazing. We are. But then we're like, oh, our leader is a climate change denying Pentecostal freak. And everyone's like, oh, fine. Maybe it just shows how many religious people there are in Australia. Because it's like, you guys care about things like gay marriage. You're like, no. <laughs> I think people are just indifferent. I think they just don't. Yeah. They're just, they just just that doesn't get them rocked up enough. Like, in America, people obviously just care a lot about fucking everything. Yeah. <sighs> Met a girl last night that AOC follows on Instagram. <laughs> Found that funny. <laughs> she probably listens to the pod. Yeah. Uh, that's. I still can't get my head around neither. that Neither. I, like, situation. screamed it at the restaurant and then someone looked at me funny as if that's... Her sister. Her sister or something. I was like, I'm not saying anything. I was like, I'm not even saying anything bad about it. Uh, they do look alike, That's to be fair. We didn't have drinks with AOC's we had a little known I sister mean, last We time. might have had drinks with AOC. We were at a bar. AOC did work at a bar. So lots know, of- lest we forget, she worked at a bar. <laughs> lots of uh, Anyway. Okay. On the Patreon today, we're doing a love question and answer. Love Q&A. Yeah. Yep. So people have sent in voice notes with love questions and we're going to... Dating questions. Have a few more glasses of wine and answer them. We're so going to be your agony aunts for the week, which we're really excited about. We've been... This has been a long time coming. Basically, we obviously love... What are they fucking called? <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me because the mics. What's what's her face from the cut called? What is it called? Advice oh, columns. Oh, ask Polly. Yeah, advice columns. And we talk about them a lot. And so now we're going to be your unqualified advice column, like Joan and Jerica. I literally think no one should take the advice. Take the it's, advice. It's I meant think to be funny. Yeah, it's a, humor, a humorous exercise. Exercise. Um, so if that sounds like something you're interested in, we'll see you there. We'll see you there. If not, if not, bye. Bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.